Well, good evening again. Welcome to this ordination service, which we trust will be a great encouragement to Josue and, and to all of us who are here. I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles as we look at God's Word this evening from 1 Timothy chapter 6. This will be a charge and an encouragement to Josue, but also a word of encouragement and challenge, I suppose, for us all. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we're looking this evening from verse 11 through to verse 16 under the title, But As For You. So let's pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we pray that this word would be received by us all, understood. We pray, Lord, that it would move our hearts as well as our minds for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So friends, First Timothy chapter 6. And I'll read from verse 11 through to verse 16. Let's hear God's word. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God, who gives life to all things, and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. An NFL quarterback addressed a post-game press conference as follows. I said it a couple of years ago in another press conference. It doesn't matter if you're the first string, second string, third string. You've got to know who you are as a human being and what your identity is. It cannot be in this game. It's got to be in something greater. And I've always said my identity is in Jesus Christ. I was a third-string quarterback. I was just a third-string. That was my label. But at the end of the day, that is not who I am. I'm Nick Foles, who I discovered was a quarterback. (laughs) 
I just go out there and I play. I lean on my teammates. I go to work. My dear friends, identity is a key issue in sports. I've been getting to know various sports people over at Wheaton College, and one of the things they talk about is how their identity needs not to be in the game, but in Jesus Christ. It's so encouraging to hear that. Identity is key for sports, because if your identity is whether you win or lose, one moment you'll be lifted up, and the next moment you'll be dashed down. It's no stable way to live. Identity is key for life, if your identity is in your career or even in your family. You'll be happy if your children are doing well. You'll be miserable if they're not doing well. You'll be happy if your career is advancing. You'll be miserable if your career is not advancing. But what is often not not understood, frequently misunderstood, is that identity is key for ministry. That's what we're going to seek to find out uh, this evening briefly. See if we can get this to work. Oh, we did. Look at that. One more. Let's get the context first of all. First Timothy is part of a group of letters written by the Apostle Paul known as the pastoral epistles. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus. And each of these pastoral epistles are the Apostle Paul's framework for how to do ministry. That's why they're written. That's why they're called the pastoral epistles. They're not just for pastors. They're for churches. This is the way to do ministry, the Apostle Paul says. And each of these has an overriding desire to commend the gospel. It's one of the reasons why at College Church our vision is proclaiming the gospel. In each of these pastoral epistles, he's saying, number one priority, commend the gospel. Live for the gospel. Teach the gospel. That's across each of those, all those three. But each of these letters has a subset, secondary priority message not number one but number two not the priority but the second order of sequence so the cgis the c stands for commend the g stands for guard the i for imitate and the s for suffer titus has an emphasis on imitating the gospel second timothy on suffering for the gospel and first timothy our letter on guarding the gospel Paul was writing to Timothy at Ephesus, and he's telling him that you need to guard the gospel. There are false teachers, Timothy, he's saying, in this town of Ephesus. You need to correct them, but you also need to be different from them. That's the passage we're looking at this evening. And to know how to be different from them, you need to know who you are. You need to have your identity set. That's the first of our points this evening. Be who You are. We're familiar with that advice, I suppose, from all of our mothers when we go off to school. Just be who you are. It sounds easy, but who am I? You may wonder. Well, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy who he is. But as for you, O man of God, that's who Timothy is. That's who a Christian leader is meant to be. That's who you are. The phrase, O man of God, comes from the Old Testament It was the phrase used for a prophet of the Old Testament. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you stand in the great line of Moses and Elijah and Isaiah and all the prophets. You are a man of God. That's who you are. I want you to remember that and I want you to be who you are. 
Therefore, flee these things. The things that we are to flee are the things that Paul has talked about in the previous section, which are all the things that characterize the false teachers. The false teachers, you see, are not merely characterized by false doctrine, though that, of course, is true. They're characterized by a certain character. And the character he describes in the previous five or so verses is a character that loves pointless controversy. And not only a character that loves pointless controversy, it's a character that desires financial gain. And the two go together, of course. The way to get attention then, as now, is to flame up a pointless controversy. If you want 1,000, 10,000, 100,000 followers on Twitter, what do you do? You pick the biggest controversy, you choose a side, and a lot of people will start listening. Pointless controversy. And then a desire for financial gain. But you, Timothy, because you're a man of God, because you're like Moses and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah, you're not to be like that. You are to be who you are. I sometimes think of it as a pastor or a Christian leader. As you enter into this, you're putting on the mantle. You're being the person that you're meant to be. You may not feel like it. You may not... Judge yourself as that. But the Apostle Paul is saying to you, that's who you are. Rise to that level. And Josue, as you think uh, this evening about what you'll be ordained to, you'll be ordained as a man of God. Rise to that level. Second, fight for spiritual vitality. Well, particularly your spiritual vitality. The Apostle Paul says, verse 12, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight for spiritual vitality. I think there was a book written some years ago. I haven't read it, but I'm getting closer to the age where I might read it, which is called Old Age is Not for Wimps. I'm starting to put it on my reading list. Or ministry is not for wimps either. It's a fight. It's a blood-soaked fight. Be under no illusion. It is not an easy road. I was talking with someone the other day who was asking me about ministry, and I shared him the usual advice that was given by Charles Spurgeon and Lloyd-Jones and many other people before, beforehand down through the years, which is if you can do anything else, do it. It's a fight. It's not for wimps. You've got to know you're called, as Josue, we believe that you are. But it's a good fight. It's worth it. You are engaged in the most important task that could possibly be tending souls for eternity. What could be more significant? Yes, it's a fight. Yes, it's hard, but it's of such significance. It's a good fight, though it is a fight, and it is a fight of faith. Now that's important, isn't it, through our lives and in Christian ministry, whether we're ministry at home or in the church or at work. So much of what we do is unseen in terms of its results. We don't see the results. We sow the seeds, and it can be years and years later before there's any fruit. Maybe we won't see it even this side of glory. It's a, it's a fight of faith. We have to trust and trust that what we're doing will bear fruit. 
Don't listen to the lies of the devil, which says it doesn't matter, nothing's going to happen, it makes no difference. No, fight the good fight of faith. You know that the word of God is powerful and will not return to you empty. You know that the seed of the word grows in God's good providence. To fight for spiritual vitality. Second. Third. Serve as under orders. I love how the Apostle puts it here as he does similarly in Second Timothy. But of course we're looking at this passage in First Timothy. Verse 13. He says, I charge you. The charge here is a command, actually. It's like a general giving orders. He's writing out his instructions for the day, for the year. This is my command to you. Go do it. You are a soldier. You are under orders. You serve as under orders. Of course, this comes back to the calling. Those of us who are in full-time Christian ministry believe that we have been charged to serve. That's true of all Christians. But Josue, as you serve and as you have been serving so well here at the church in small group ministries and many other areas, and as we now acknowledge the ways that you've been called formally and as you kneel and a bit later and the elders gather around you and the pastors gather around you to pray over you, we are saying to you that you have a charge. And the right answer to the charge is obedience. I've often reflected on that myself. There comes a moment when you know that God is calling you to do something and then the only response is, will you obey? You may have heard of the phrase, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. But I think we could put it like this. When the going gets tough, the obedient keep going. It may be hard, but you don't have, a, you don't have the option of checking out. It's not, it's not, a, it's not merely a, it's not a career. It's not, an op, it's, not something I, it's not a preference. It's a command. Of course it's going to be hard. It's a fight the good fight, but you don't stop. You keep going. Fourth, focus on his appearing. Well, this is a game changer. The Apostle Paul talks of the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way he puts it there. Do you sense the way that the Apostle Paul loves Jesus? Until the appearing, not of the Lord Jesus Christ, but our Lord Jesus Christ. Timothy, you must be future orientated, in other words. Your focus is on his return, and therefore your focus is on Jesus and pleasing him on that great day. That is, as I say, a game changer. You have a purpose beyond this life. You have a focus that will keep you going through everything and you have a joy in everything. You serve for him so that he will say to you one day, well done, good and faithful servant, come and enter your rest. Often in leadership, in Christian leadership, whether lay or ordained in church or in work, we are faced with troubling difficulties and we need to find a way to answer them. Well, here's a question I suppose it's two questions really, but a question of all questions that can cut to the heart of most issues. Here it is. Will this please Jesus and what will be his verdict about it on the last day? That can be decisive so often. Focus on his appearing. 
Fifth and finally, focus on him. It's just such a wonderful benediction at the end, really. I suppose we could call it a benediction or a blessing, or he goes off into a, into a succession of praiseful statements. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Such a massive view of Jesus and God the Father. And it is absolutely critical for an effective ministry to have this vision and focus on him. A diminutive Jesus will lead to a diminished ministry. We need a massive God in order to have a majestic, impactful impact. I've often wondered exactly how all these different phrases fit together. The sovereign, the king of kings and lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light. What a picture of his inaccessibility and yet his revelation to us in the Son through the word whom no one has ever seen or can see to him be honor and eternal dominion amen the great 18th century commentator Matthew Henry put it like this this is concerning Christ and God the Father that the apostle Paul here speaks great things Yes, he does. He speaks great things. But as for you, be who you are. Fight for your spiritual vitality. Serve as under orders. Focus on his appearing. Focus on him. Josue, but as for you. Christian leaders lay ordained. But as for you. Identity is absolutely key in Christian service. We serve him and our identity is in him. So often down through church history, this has been turned around and so often is today. It's why, why people I think at root get burnt out in ministry. Obviously you can work too hard. That can be a part of it as well. There can be huge pressures. I certainly have experienced those in my life. But at the center of it, the question is, whose am I and who am I? And if we get that wrong, we'll much more easily end up burnt out. I love the story by one historian of some of the rather strange attempts of a few of the Puritans. You, you know that I love the Puritans and quote them, but they weren't always admirable. There's a, there's a story of the Pennsylvania Quakerism, which was admirable in many ways too, but could take on some amusing caricatures. One historian described the... Uh, uh, behavior of someone called John Woolman in the 18th century. This is what he said. Despite his friend's worries over an affected singularity, in the 1760s, John Woolman took to going around in a, quote, big white hat. Well, you think, why do you do that? Because it was undyed and less luxurious, albeit in the showiest possible way. And in time, he went to going around in an entire suit of undyed, ice cream-colored clothing. Well, we're not to be like that. I doubt we're put on a white hat and go around in a white suit pretending to say how 
much we're being unpretentious by being pretentious. But there's so many different ways in Christian ministry to put yourself forward as a coded way for putting God forward. And what it comes back to is who you are. You are a man of God. Being called to pastoral ministry is not a calling to show off like a peacock. And in fact, uh, that actually not only is disastrous in ministry, it's disastrous for your own life, your own soul. I love this from someone called Todd Gwenap. He called it the anti-Psalm 23. Listen to this about getting this identity thing the wrong way around. The anti-Psalm 23 by Todd Gwenap. Here it went. Here it goes. The approval of others is my shepherd. I shall always be in want. There is no nourishment, never enough. Anxiety and performance are my lot. My soul is exhausted. I must constantly be my best self for my name's sake. When I walk through difficulty, I must be better. There is only fear of being found out, for I am utterly alone. Your approval and applause last as long as our eye contact. The need for approval prepares me as a feast for my enemies. I have no security, no abundance. I am left to chase a moving target all the days of my life, and I shall seek to justify my existence until I die and am forgotten. The anti-Psalm 23, but know the Lord, Josue, is your shepherd. And you, we believe, are indeed a man of God. Be who you are. Fight for your spiritual vitality. Serve as under orders. Focus on his appearing. Focus on him. May it be so for you and for us all. Let us pray. Our Lord God, we do pray that our identity would be in you. Thank you for what a freeing release that is. Your eyes are full of love for your children. You have grace and mercy and favor towards us. And in your service, there is perfect freedom. Thank you. Please fill us all with your spirit. Secure our identity in you. And we pray as we'll be praying again in a moment for Josue. That your blessing and favor would be especially upon him this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.